Growing up as a child, one of the things that my mom did not put up with was an ungrateful attitude. When we went out to public, whether it was a restaurant or a store, she wanted us to be grateful. And it was one of her number one rules in our home that we were going to be thankful and grateful. And if someone gave us something like uh, maybe, you know, a relative or someone from the church or maybe, you know, just a total stranger, she wanted to make sure that we were grateful. And on one of those times in which we wouldn't be grateful or wouldn't say thanks, she would take her weapon of choice, which was her bony little elbow, and she would jam it into our rib, into our rib cage. And then, like a nice little church lady, she would just whisper, say it, say it with a smile. And pretty soon, whether it was my sister or my brother or myself, we'd be going, thanks, 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 thanks. And it was just one of those things that she wanted to make sure was happening in our world. In fact, I was so conditioned, folks, to say thanks that when all of a sudden I I would see her have this movement of her elbow, all of a sudden I'd be like, thanks, thanks. And now what's kind of funny is even with my two girls, whenever they don't say thanks, I give them the elbow too. Now, the truth is that sometimes saying thanks as a child growing up can kind of, you know, feel like a hassle or, you know, can kind of be something that you're not so sure you want to do. But one of the things that I've learned as an adult and as I've grown is that thankfulness and gratitude are essential for where you want to go in this thing called life. You know, The truth is, it is just essential for you and I to have a thankful heart. Now, I think most of us would agree and say, yeah, that's what I want to have. I want to be grateful. I want to be thankful. I mean, the word thanks should roll off of our tongue regularly, that we should be respectful, that we should be kind, that we should be polite. And any time that we kind of use that word Thanks, that is what should be happening. But so often, folks, it's hard for us to necessarily do that. There's a guy in the Bible by the name of Paul who wrote close to half of the New Testament. And he was one of Jesus' closest followers. And one day, he wrote kind of a mind-blowing kind of work that he gave insight to a group of new Christians. He said these words, he said, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, it's kind of interesting that word will in the Greek is the word fellow. And it's kind of this interesting meaning. Uh, The word is understood as God's best offer for people that can either be accepted or rejected. 
that it's God's best offer to us, and we have a choice whether we will accept it or reject it. So essentially what Paul is saying is that there are two ways that you can choose to live your life. You can either choose your life to be thankful, which is the way he created you and the best way that you can live, or you can use your life in a thankless kind of way that will pull you further and further away from God. Now, the reality, folks, is today's Mother's Day and we're celebrating moms. But in our nation, and our world, we are still in a crisis. And that word thanks, folks, is so important when you're going through a crisis, when you're going through a pandemic. Because the truth is there are still a lot of unknowns that we're experiencing. Fear is still kind of swirling around all around us. And there are going to be some difficult circumstances, not just now, but in the months and maybe throughout the next couple of years. And when they hit, and they're going to hit, folks, all of us, whether we get the virus or not, we're going to go through some struggles. We have a choice to make in the midst of it. And it's kind of like a fork in a road. And we have a decision to make. Will we choose an attitude of thankfulness or an attitude of thanklessness? Again, thankfulness will lead you down a road where you live the kind of plan that God has for your life. And if you go down the road of thanklessness, it will pull you further and further away from God. Folks, you get to choose which road you're going to walk down. Which part of the road are you going to choose? Because the truth is, when it comes to me and where I'm going, and when it comes to you and where you're going, the key, folks, is a thankful, grateful attitude. Now, back to Paul's words. He says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, notice that this verse does not say that all circumstances are good because they're not. I mean, there is a lot of bad going on in our world. And many of you see it regularly on TV all the time of different People either contracting the virus or actually dying from it. Did you know that there are over 4 million people right now in our world who have contracted it and close to 300,000 people who have lost their lives? There are people that are dying alone. Nursing homes now feel more like a prison and prisoners are dying with No one around them. But even though that is so bad, there's even greater evil that we know that takes place. When little children are abducted from their parents and they're sold into sex slavery, it is a difficult, evil thing. When world leaders take money or they take resources away from people and people starve to death, it's an evil thing. 
When people betray each other, it's an evil thing. When people torture each other, it's an evil thing. When people persecute each other, it's an evil thing. There is a lot of evil, folks, that is in the world. So the truth is, is not all circumstances are good. The coronavirus is not good. The, uh, you know, when you get diagnosed with cancer, it's not good. There's a lot of bad that is taking place in our world. And we don't give thanks for those circumstances. But in every circumstance, even in this national kind of crisis, even in this pandemic that we're in, because God is bigger than any coronavirus, we can give Thanks, and in time, He will work all things together for our good. Today, maybe some of you are going through some kind of difficult situation in your life. Beyond the pandemic, beyond the kind of national disaster, you've got some pain. You feel like you've been persecuted by someone. You're going through some difficult stuff right now. And you're wondering, is there anything that is ever going to come out of this that I can be thankful for? I mean, there's nothing there, Chris. And you start having your doubts that can God really create good out of a bad situation? Well, I want to share with you today that he can. For example, when you think about the crucifixion, horrible, absolutely horrible. Jesus was spit upon. He was flogged. He was beaten. Uh, A crown of thorns was shoved on his head. He he was nailed to a cross. Uh, A sword was placed into his side. But is there anything good that came out of that? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Like the salvation of the world and that people were able to receive eternal life. And God caused something that was horribly bad to be something very good. We also think about the night before that Jesus went to the cross. We remember that night and we think about that night and and. What's so amazing about the night before Jesus knew he would go to a cross, he would die upon it. And yet we read that the night before, this is what we're told. Jesus took bread and he gave what? All of you in Albany, what did he give? Yeah, thanks. He gave thanks and he broke it. And the night before his death, Jesus was giving thanks and he was grateful and thankful, not because of the circumstances he was going to experience, but he knows that God is going to do good even in the midst of something that's bad. And this idea of You know, giving thanks in all circumstances is what Jesus taught his disciples. He taught them to live grateful, thankful lives regardless of the circumstances. And he desires you and I to live the same way. And this kind of leads us to our big idea this morning. And we kind of alluded to it already. And it's this, that living a life of thankfulness is the best way to live. Living a life of thankfulness is the best way to live. 
But I want you to know that living a life of thankfulness is not just going around a lot of times and going, thanks, thanks, thanks. Instead, what Jesus is inviting us into is actually a new lifestyle, an entire kind of reframing of our perspective of a new way to live. There's a story that we're going to look at today about Jesus kind of explaining to his disciples through a miracle that he performs the importance of being thankful and grateful in all things. Now, you need to kind of know leading up to this, there's a context in which uh, Jesus's reputation is just kind of blown up. At first, you know, there were only like kind of dozens that were following. And then there were hundreds. And finally, there were like thousands. So Jesus goes on to this hillside because he wants everyone to be able to hear from him that there's enough room for them to listen to him. And John, one of Jesus's closest uh, followers, writes these words. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him. Now, we know from other scriptures, folks, that it tells us there were 5,000 men that were coming toward him to listen to him. So if you add on top of that, all of the women and all of the children, we're talking about 15,000 or more people that were coming. And in the midst of all this, Jesus sees this crowd and he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And Philip's like looking around going, well, why are you asking me? And The reason was is because this was where Philip was from. He was from this mountainside. He knew the towns. He knew where they could get some pizza king, you know, and some free breadsticks. And so the best bet to be able to feed these people was the knowledge of Philip. But look how Philip responds. He says it would take almost a year's wage to buy enough bread for each one to have just a bite. I mean, here, what Philip starts focusing on is what they lack, what they do not have. And it makes sense. Because in Philip's world, you had to realize, folks, that 70% of all the people were living in extreme poverty. They were just looking forward to, could they have enough to get to their next meal? I mean, scarcity was the norm for not only Jesus and his disciples, but the world that they were in. So obviously, they don't have enough resources to feed this crowd of 15,000 or more. And Philip looks right in Jesus' face and he says, You crazy. You are a crazy man. I I do not understand this. There is no way that we can feed all of these thousands of people. But luckily, on that particular day, there was another disciple that was there as well, and his name was Andrew. He was the first person that uh, Jesus had called to follow him. And Andrew had been there from day one, and so he had seen Jesus do so many different things. Now, the circumstances are exactly the same, but all of a sudden, Andrew starts seeing wonder. And he thinks to himself, maybe there could be something that could actually, you know, really change. And maybe we could see a miracle of God moving in a great way. You see, even in the impossible... The truth is, is that Andrew sees something more. And Andrew says these words. Hey, 
Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how will they go among so many? Now, again, folks, you got two very different perspectives. You have one, which is Philip, and he's focusing on want. But Andrew, on the other side, is focusing on wonder. What seems impossible for Philip? Andrew's like, well, maybe with Jesus, this could actually happen. Philip sees all the circumstances of these people going on, and he simply focuses on want. But Andrew has a different kind of perspective altogether, and he is full of wonder of what Jesus could do. And folks, the truth is this. We often default to want instead of embracing the wonder of a moment. You and I, when it comes down to it, we will always default to want instead of embracing the wonder of a moment. And this want, folks, it can take its place in many different forms. For example, when you think of the first two people that were, you know, created, Adam and Eve. God gives them this incredible garden. He says, just don't eat from this one kind of fruit. But what do they focus on? Not the beauty and everything that's around them, but the want of the one thing they can't have. For some of us during this crisis, that becomes our mentality. We become extremely impatient. If we don't have the right product or the right food or whatever that is, we struggle ourselves and we focus on the want rather than the blessing that is around us. For some of us, we just simply want to replace our want, but we don't look for the wonder. We look for something else. Can we gain something else? Can we receive something else? And we want to control the situation. We want to control things in the midst of a crisis, a pandemic, that you and I simply cannot control. Last week, uh, my two daughters, Jordan and Shiloh, uh, said, hey, Dad, can we go down to the retention pond? And I said, yeah, that's no problem. And so uh, on the way there, they were talking about, hey, you know, wonder if the mama goose has actually, you know, given uh, birth to these goslings. Um, she was on this nest for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I go, I don't know. And we keep walking down. And, and in my mind, all I'm thinking about is the worry and the stress of what it's going to be like to reopen the church. And I'm thinking to myself, can we do this? Uh, how are we going to practice social distancing? Will, will we have enough seats for everybody? Uh, what are we going to do with kids in the midst of all this? And all of these thoughts are going through my mind. And we eventually get to the pond. And what I didn't notice was what they noticed, that the mama goose had actually hatched her eggs. And there were five new goslings and they were all around and they were swimming and they were eating. But I didn't focus on any of that. I ignored it all. I didn't even see it because what I was thinking about was my want. How in the world are we ever going to open up church again and do it safely? And the girls wanted to stay longer and they're like, Dad, can we stay? Can we stay? And finally, I just kind of had a short fuse and I said, no. We need to leave now. The sunset is coming down. We need to leave. Come on, let's go. And so we start walking back home and my youngest daughter, Shiloh, kind of looks up at me and she grabs my hand. And she says, Daddy, maybe if you look at the beautiful sunset, it'll calm you down. And it was in that moment 
that when I looked up, I saw this beautiful sunset. And Shiloh was right. Immediately, I started feeling this calmness that the one who created the sun and the moon and the stars, he can take care of his church. And I started feeling just this prompting that was in my spirit. Chris, it's my church anyways. I'll take care of it. You go ahead and simply follow me. And look at the wonder, Chris. Look at the wonder and embrace it around you. And I did. And all of a sudden we started laughing and joking. And there was this calmness that came upon us. And I was able to embrace the beauty of the sunset. Folks, during this crisis, what's really important for you and for me is to embrace those things around us. The sunset, the, the uh, beauty of the spring season, of flowers on trees, or, you know, blooming of trees and, and flowers that are blooming around us. The, the joy that is all around us. And you and I need to be able to see that wonder rather than simply focusing on our want. Don't allow the circumstances, folks, to still the wonder that God has all around you. Don't allow the fear of tomorrow to steal the joy that you have today. Well, back to Andrew. Uh, remember, this is what he said. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? So here is Andrew. He's, he's kind of focusing on the big picture, the wonder, what's Jesus going to do? But the focus that he also has is on the small little details. He notices the ordinary, kind of the mundane. You see, Andrew is very, very specific with the details that he refers to when he talks about the bread and the fish. It's not just any bread, but it's barley bread. And it's not just fish, but it's small fish. You see, these are significant details for us because in this day, the cheapest of all the bread that you would have is barley bread. It was a sign that you didn't really have much in life. It was a poor man's bread and there was a stigma to it. Then there's this detail of not just a fish, but a small fish. In other words, it's not like a 36 inch, 50 pound Alaskan salmon. It's like these six centimeter little sardines and that's what they have. What this boy is giving is something that is terribly kind of ordinary and terribly insignificant. This was not a feast whatsoever. This was a poor man's meal. But Andrew, Andrew stops and he notices it. And Andrew begins to wonder what more God could do. Folks, if we're going to live a life of gratitude and thankfulness, not only do we need to notice the grandiosity of the sunset and all that is around us, but we need to be thankful and grateful also for the small little things that we see, 
The small things that are the mundane, maybe for the rest of the world. But we know that there is a God who is providing those things for us. And we can be filled with thankfulness and gratefulness. I read a story a couple of years ago about a mom who had gone through the horrible kind of struggle of being diagnosed with breast cancer. And maybe for some of you moms today, you're going through some health issue and your kids are concerned. Or maybe for some of you, today's really hard because it's the first Mother's Day without your mom. Or it's maybe a Mother's Day that your mom is no longer here and you always struggle with this particular day. And so here's this mom whose life is very fragile. She's been diagnosed with breast cancer And unfortunately, it had spread even beyond her breast to other areas of her life. She had recently just gone through her 80th, her 80th uh, treatment related to her cancer. And she's a sick woman, but she has not compromised her wonder. And I saw this writing that she gave. She said this. In the past two days, I've gone to a birthday party, a wedding, a church, and on a walk. Not bragging or anything, but life is amazing with a side of awesome. I I mean, isn't that great? I, I mean, here she is just kind of battling for life itself, and yet she can look and see the wonder of just a walk. And the truth is, folks, there are very few people, when they're going through a crisis, when they're going through a circumstance, that can find the joy, that can find the things to be grateful and thankful around us. And yet that's the way that God calls you and I to live our lives. I hate to say it, but for me, many times I focus on my want or what is the thing that we need to do next. And I lose the moment of wonder around me, whether it's a sunset or my kids or geese that are on a pond. And in the midst of all of that, folks, whatever circumstance you're going through, We have a choice to make whether we're going to have a life of thankfulness or a life of thanklessness. For our ability, folks, is to live in God's will. And we talked about it earlier. He said that the best way that you can live your life is to live a life that's full of gratitude and thankfulness. And when we can live that way and we can have eyes to see the mundane, the things around us, even though the circumstances may be difficult, then we're able to see possibility and beauty and the potential in the day, even in the midst of a crisis or pandemic or a struggle that you're going through. And the more times that we can walk through our days and we can say thanks, the greater change we find in our lives And in our heart. So this morning, which path are you on? Do you find yourself perpetually kind of frustrated by the pandemic and the crisis and social distancing and wearing masks and not so sure? When you got back to work this week, because I know many of you have, or maybe you're going back to work this week, were you so freaked out about, you know, I don't want to be around people as much, and, and so I'm worried about contracting the, the virus, and so you never really saw the needs of the people around you. 
This week, I want to ask you, how are you going to choose to live your life? Will you be living the life of Andrew with wonder of what Jesus could do? Or will you live a life of just focusing on want that Philip lived? Maybe it's for you to be able to look and see uh, some sunsets or some flowers or the joy of the trees in the beginning of spring. Maybe it means for some of you to simply notice the people that are around you. Well, the Sunday after uh, Shiloh had kind of called me to the carpet and challenged me to live a life of thankfulness, I was coming home from taping uh, here at the Civic. And my wife called me and said, hey, you're responsible for lunch today. And I was like, all right, no problem. And every time I'm responsible for lunch, I start looking at billboards because I know we're going to get fast food. And we were driving by Arby's when all of a sudden uh, I noticed this sign that said five for ten dollars. You could get five regular kind of roast beef sandwiches for ten dollars. So I pulled in. I said, honey, I've got lunch taken care of. And so I pull up and I give my order. And as I'm pulling around, I get this prompting from God that just kind of says, thank the person before they even tell you what the cost is or give you your food. So the lady kind of pulls the window aside and I said, hey, before you say anything, I just want to say thank you so much for serving us. You're an essential worker. You, you're here to take care of our needs and you're helping to feed my family today. And so I just want to say thank you. And immediately this lady's eyes started kind of welling up and a tear came down and she said, thank you so much. She said, everyone today just seems to be angry and no one has said thank you. And I paused for a moment. And I said, hey, I'm not saying this was from God, but this is what I said. I said, hey, I'm not only saying thank you, but for all of those jerks, thank you as well. And I looked in my bag. All the sandwiches were great. And I went on about my day. You see, folks, noticing not only the creation, but noticing God's creations is essential. Noticing people that are around you and to be grateful and to thank, be thankful for them is so imperative if you're going to walk the life that God wants for you. You see, God shows his beauty in his creation that we need to notice, but he also shows his beauty in his creations, the people that are around us. And you and I are able to be able to live those kind of lives when we take the notice. Well, the story continues on and it kind of shows the power of how gratitude can kind of open itself up to a wonder of a miracle. We're told this, Jesus then took these five loaves, these five loaves that were not very much at all. It was a poor man's kind of, you know, meal. And he lifted them up and he gave thanks to God. And then he distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. It's just, just these two little sardines. And when they had all had had enough to eat. He said to his disciples, now gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted so that they gathered them and they filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over 
by those who had eaten. You see, Jesus takes ordinary bread and he takes kind of this unimpressive, small little fish and he does a miraculous thing with it. And he does such an incredible thing, and it begins with an attitude of thankfulness, and it ends with leftovers for everybody. Now, I was thinking about it this week, that if I were Jesus, I think I would wait on the thanks until I saw if everyone actually got fed. Because, you know, you're kind of taking a risk, and I don't want to be so embarrassed that everyone's going to be, you know, fed, and so I'm not so sure that I would be thankful on the front side. But the truth is, folks, that's just how Jesus rolls. I mean, for me, I don't often give thanks until the healing takes place. I don't give thanks until the need is met. I don't give thanks until the broken heart is mended. And many of us will not give thanks until the vaccine is here. That's often when we give thanks on the backside rather Then on the front side, and yet Jesus was unconventional. He always gave thanks on the front side because he knew something that many times you and I don't know. And that is there is a God in heaven that loves to take care of his people. And when we are thankful and when we are grateful, we live the kind of life that he has called us to live. And now all of a sudden, this group of 15,000 people are getting fed at first. They wondered, would there be enough for them? And at the end, they had more than enough. This 70% of people who were living at extreme poverty, not knowing whether or not they would know where their next meal was coming from. Now, all of a sudden, their stomachs were full and they had leftovers. And it all began with Jesus giving Thanks. The bread didn't run out, folks. In fact, they had more bread than people could take. The the miracle was amazing, but it all began with gratitude. And maybe there were a couple of people that see all of this going on and they're like, hey, this is exactly what his cousin told us. His cousin was a guy by the name of John the Baptist who came on the ministry scene before Jesus. And they said, remember his words. He said this, we all live off his generous bounty, gift after gift after gift. And folks, what Jesus knows is that all wonder leads to God. All gifts are are connected to the great giver because there is no one who gives like the God of the Bible. There is no end to what he can give to his people because no one can outgive God. I mean, the reason why Jesus gives thanks before the bread is distributed is because he knows that whatever the circumstances may be, the generosity and the abundance of God can never, 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 never be outdone by human need. So Jesus says, thanks, God, for what you're going to do. And the scripture says then they had leftovers, 12 baskets full, which is more than what they had began with. Because you and myself 
And any human being can never outgive God. On that day on the hillside, as Jesus is there, he wasn't just showing a miracle, although it was great. But he wanted to give them a precursor to what his kingdom is like. What kind of king he would be. And he said, it all begins with thankfulness and gratitude and understanding the wonder that is around you and believing in what you can't see right now. And gratitude and thankfulness opens up the miracles in our lives. And the question is, will you be thankful on the front side or will you always have want and not do so until the end? So I'd simply like to close by asking you, which kind of path are you on? Are you on a thankfulness path or are you on a thank? path, Because we know that if you choose thankfulness, if you choose that, it, it leads to the best way for you to live your life. And if you choose thanklessness, you will come further and further away from the God who created you. And so I wonder what path will you take? The truth is, folks, you could begin it today. You could say, you know what, I am going to walk down that thankful path. But my question for is for you is, who are you going to thank? Could you thank your spouse today? Could, could you thank your kids? Could you thank your parents? Could you thank your friends? Could you thank your children? Uh, for many of you, it's Mother's Day in the room that you're in right now. Thanks, Mom. Or sometime today, don't let the sun go down without having a grateful, thankful attitude for the woman who brought you into this world. You know, several weeks ago, there was a moment where I was all focused on want. I was all focused on exactly, you know, what I needed, what I wanted to control. And in the midst of all of this, I was looking at my phone and this song came up. Uh, The song is called The Blessing. And the words are simple, but it simply talks about God blessing your family and your children and giving favor to you because of your thankfulness to him. And he says, I'll pour my blessing on and I will go before you, behind you, beside you. And all around you. And I just wanted you to listen to these words and then to hear them actually sung by Mikey and by Caleb. I asked him earlier in the week, I said, guys, could you pre-record this? Because I think what moms are going to need more than anything else is, you know, not the flowers and all of that kind of stuff. But what they need is a blessing from God. And so I invite you to simply open up your hands. But this is what the words say of the song. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you and all around you and with you. He is with you. He is with you. 
in the morning, in the evening, in your coming, in your going, in your weeping and your rejoicing. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. And so whatever room you're in right now, I just want you to hold out your hands and receive this blessing. And for moms especially, may you receive the blessing from God in this song to know that his favor is with you, that he blesses you, and that he is with you and he is for you. Receive it now.
hope you were able to receive that blessing and I want to invite you to join me as we pray God we thank you so much for blessing us today with that song a a reminder God that you are with us you're for us you go before us you go behind us you go beside us you are within us you're all around us And I pray right now through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that you would let every single mom know today that they are not alone, that you are with them, that you're for them. God, maybe there's some moms that are having such a great day and it's wonderful and they're looking forward to celebrating with their children. Maybe there's some other moms right now who are kind of estranged from their kids. God, would you let them know that your blessing is for them as well? I also just pray right now for those individuals, God, that may be experiencing this Mother's Day for the first time without their mom. God, send your blessing to them. Let them know that you are with them. And I pray, God, for people who just are grateful for Mother's Day, but each year it's reminded that their mom's not here. Would you bless them as well? God, remind us today that we have much to be thankful for. We have much to be grateful for. Help us to focus on the wonder that is around us rather than just the want of what we want to control in this moment. God, would you send your Holy Spirit right now into each room that is listening right now, that they would know that you are with them, that you are for them, that you do not walk away from them, and you're calling them to live the best life that they can live, a life that is filled with thankfulness and gratefulness. And whenever they walk through their week, God, would you remind them to take the path of thankfulness because it always leads to the best life that you have for them. Now, right now, some of you might be sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, you know what? I've never thanked God in my life for allowing him to come 
into my life and to call me to be his child. But you can do that today. For some of you, maybe you're in a room by yourself. Get on your knees and say, God, I'm thankful that you're here. I've received your blessing. And now, God, I want to give my one and only life to you. Maybe others of you are in a room with other people, but you're like, you know what? I've been drifting away from God in the midst of this crisis, this pandemic, and I want to come back to him. It doesn't matter where you're at, whatever your relationship is, God wants to move in your life right now. And so today, if you're ready to commit your life to Christ, or you're ready to renew your life to him for the very first time, I invite you to simply pray this prayer after me. And it's not a prayer that you pray alone, but there are, you know, hundreds of households that are praying this as well. After receiving this blessing to pray to the God who blesses your life. So I invite you to simply repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for all you give to me. I give my life completely to you. Jesus, save me from my sins. Make me brand new. Touch my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, if you said that prayer for the first time or you renewed that prayer, I want you to know that all of heaven is celebrating with you. And if you would, there's a little button that you can just tap on that says raise hand. You can tap on that and someone will connect with you and we'd love to be able to celebrate with you. If you'd rather go to our website, thejar.org slash accept, just go ahead and do that. And you can make a commitment to Christ and be thankful for the blessing that he's given to you. And if you need prayer for anything, just let us know. We want to pray for you. And one of our hosts would love to do that. Hey, I know some of you went back to work last week. Some of you are going this work, going back to work this week. Maybe you're a little bit scared. I want you to know we're praying for you. And we want to challenge you to continue to be generous with what God has given to you, to others, so that his name might be made great. Well, happy Mother's Day to all of our moms. We love you. We're praying for you. Know that you are loved, and we will see you next week. Happy Mother's Day, everybody.